Hi guys, this is Marcus the Growholic, and today we're going to talk to Quack Shio. He's an amazing creator and influencer, and I'm so super lucky to have him on board. And these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. Hey, actually, quality is more important than quantity, and that became an obsession. Okay, I'm just going to spend as long as I need to make this banger real. In the roof. I have one advice is you have to show up and do it as much as you can. Everything takes practice. Just like cycling. You also need to put in the reps, put in the mileage, do the intervals, do the zone 2 to become a much better rider. You have to put in all these different zones to become a more complete rider. It's the same as creativity. We have finally found an audience for me to share this. Uh, crazy edits are called <laughs> things that uh, things that sometimes I feel I myself feel like uncomfortable to put to the world because I've never seen anything like this before. This is a bit too crazy. I don't know how the audience gonna perceive it. I do have uh, doubts like that. All right, here comes the full interview. Hello and welcome, Quack. How are you today? Hi, hi. I'm great. Good to be talking to you, Marcus. It's nice uh, that you got me on the show. Awesome. By the way, I am a little bit embarrassed because I never asked you now before we started how you pronounce it, your, your name. You had in your story some time ago, someone actually asking you about that and you kind of tried to describe it in one of your stories. But can you please say your name so I can learn how to pronounce it properly? I think it is exactly as you pronounce. It's quack, like a duck sound, quack. So that's how you pronounce my name. I mean, uh, it is a last name, but it doesn't matter. That's why everybody calls me, just call me quack. Okay, so what's your first name then? First name is Shio. Shio, like. Oh, so it's actually Shio Quack? Yep, correct. So it's Quack oh, Shio's okay. one. That's like Chinese you. order. <laughs> so the first name is Quack. Okay. Yeah. Got you, got you. And, and tell me, for the audience, where are you right now? And maybe also in which time zone so that we establish that as well? I'm currently in Aradamansara, Petalingjaya, Malaysia. So it's uh, 6.04 p.m. at the moment. So it's the evening. Cool. Very good. I, I, I'm I'm European based, so I'm it's um, yeah just an hour before noon here for me. So I'm I'm super happy and thankful that we could find a slot that works, uh, and I'm super excited about this. But hey, we we don't know each other. This is actually the first time that we ever speak. So I'm super excited about this. I've been I tried to figure it out when I started to follow you on Instagram, and I think it was about a year ago. And maybe you can help me with the timeline here. Because it was somewhere, I, th I think some of the first content that I saw from you, it might have been the bikepacking one where you did all that stop motion with the bikepacking. Um, yeah. And that kind of, I don't know, I tried to figure out your, your account was maybe not that big before, but it kind of has exploded since then. But is, is it about a year ago that you did that, that content now, that reel? It is about a year ago where I started to... You don't have the urge to take social media content a little more seriously. And that is because uh, in my main line, uh, I, I work as a commercial director. I'm mainly operating behind the camera, right? So uh, the connection with my audience is always through a client, through a brand. So, and because of the rise of content, where every platform is now in high demand of short videos. So I thought I'll give it a try. I would like to participate. And my first thought is, okay, I'll do the things that I love to do, you know, showcase my hobby. And at that time, I was really keen on, you know, riding my gravel bike, exploring stuff. So I was drawn towards making a long 20 minutes YouTube ASMR. I tried that and quickly realized that that's not going to be sustainable for me. 
That's when I chop it up into small pieces to upload them as shots. And as I was doing, as I was doing that, the algorithm of course changed, and I was connected to many cycling creators. I think, including you. That's when <laughs> that's when we follow each other, and that's those will be the first early reels that you see where it's just me going to bikepacking by myself. Yeah. So that's that how it started. Yeah. So <laughs> And so that, okay, so it was really a, a really a pivotal moment then sort of from your thinking on how to be content creator. Okay, perfect. There are some things that I will explore there further, but let's just rewind a little bit. And, and you spoke about your, your hobby. And I guess that the hobby you're speaking about is cycling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, tell me how, how and why, um, and you mentioned a gravel bike. Of course, I'm really happy that you say a gravel bike. I, I like gravel cycling myself. But uh, where where does that come from, and and is uh, yeah, how, how did you get started with cycling, and why? I mean, I I think I started cycling like most of us during childhood, right? And then we forgot about it. We got into our cars, we went to work, and uh, I mean, I started like making videos since about sixteen years ago now. But I only started cycling as an adult from thirty, which is uh, seven years ago. So I was really obsessed with making videos, trying to you know improve my skill set, and I went down the traditional route of trying to make a movie, a film, but uh, that was very taxing, especially mentally, and things weren't so great. And when you just spend your whole day sitting down editing without you know going out, without exercising, it takes a toll on you. So when I was introduced to endurance sports, I started running at first, and then got introduced oh, okay. to cycling. That's when I realized, wow, okay, as a human being, you do need to balance up things, right? When you exercise and work your physicality, it definitely helps with the mental stuff. It makes you stronger physically, but it also calms you down. It regulates your hormone system. It makes you more sane. And that, to me, is the core of how I fell in love with cycling. It kind of saved my life, in a way. I was able to gather my thoughts again to re package the movie that was failing at the time and finally managed to sell it. So it uh, ever since I'm just cycling and it's just trying out different things. I like to try different things from a road bike, I joined triathlons, I tried mountain bike, and when the gravel bike uh, scene came to life, I'm like, okay, I definitely want to try it. So that's how I started cycling and never stopped since. Yeah, <laughs> that is so amazing. I mean, I can I can totally relate to some of those things, especially the mental side of things. That how how important that is um, for myself, at least as well. Like being able to really calm down, but it but it also gets that sort of creative flow going to some extent. And I realized that when I'm out cycling, my 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 thinking becomes cleaner in some way and and more pure. And the problem is, though, that I'm experiencing, and, and this is where the question comes, is that when I'm out and I'm thinking about, okay, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to create this content, or this content should be, maybe I can do this kind of edit, or, or I'm thinking about something, or I come up with, with some concept or whatever it is. But then to remember that when you get home, it's not impossible, but it's, it's super, super difficult. How do, do you experience the same thing? And how do you do? <laughs> Initially, I always try to, you know, try to do the thinking during the ride, try to film something during the ride where I mix the creative process. But I, I do realize uh, for me personally, it is better to just write and not focus on the creative. And then when I get back home, then I focus on the creative. <laughs> when I'm more focused and concentrated in my element, in my peace and quiet, that's when I do the creative work. 
So it, it's like the cycling charges the battery, but I don't mm-hmm. try to brainstorm during the ride. Uh, especially when you have a lot of friends that are faster than you, you just smash, your heart rate is high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so the connection with the muse is not good because you're like physically exerted all the time. So yeah, so now I tend to just not do the thinking during the ride. Yeah, I tend to do that these days. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> no, I, but um, speaking about that, do you, do you prefer going on a group rides with, with friends or do you go by yourself or like, is there a balance in between? It, it, was, it was a big shift when the pandemic came and there was a point of time where no other activities were allowed except for running and cycling. Those were great times as a cyclist. We start to cycle by myself out from the home itself because there's so little traffic. But uh, now things have become regular again. I tend to ride in a group with uh, on road but on safer zones. Not yep. everywhere is safe to ride in Malaysia. So uh, I tend to prefer these different disciplines for different things. When I ride road, it's because, okay, it's convenient. You don't have to wash your bike all the time. You get to mix with a larger group of uh, friends because there are more road riders here in Malaysia. But when I'm riding gravel, you get the peace of mind that you don't have to look back for the vehicle that's approaching. You can take your time. It's not just smash all the time. <laughs> you know, spend time to uh, embrace the nature, have a dip in the stream and really just absorb all the clean air and yeah, it's a lot more peaceful, but it is a, with a smaller set of group of friends and you do have to wash your bike every time because in Malaysia, it's not really gravel gravel, it's yellow mud, it's red mud, you always, it always gets muddy. So yeah, that's both, both, both are great. Yeah, I love both. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because I've been, I mean, I've been riding across Europe now in a few different countries here, and I've been have I had some people on on the show that's that's Americans, and we've been speaking about the American gravel, or people that has visited that can talk to me about that. But then, yeah, from from an Asian point of view, I have very little insight to what what gravel is, and I mean, gravel is a super wide term, right? Everyone has their interpretation of what it is, and and I think. Uh, for myself, it, it doesn't really matter how you define it, as long as you go out cycling and, and you enjoy it. But that's that's. I was, so I was going to ask you what kind of gravel you have around, but you kind of answered that question. But, but how do you like it then to be off road? Uh, I mean, I love to be off road for for different reasons, but uh, for many reasons. But the gravel here, it is closer to I would say XC territory at times. So cross country okay. at times. There are also long stretches of. Actual gravel roads, they are close to, say, the northern region where there's a lot of paddy fields and flatter grounds. So uh-huh. it's a really big mix of everything. And it's the rainforest. It's hot all year long. So you do sometimes end up in single trails. There's dense forests with a lot of bugs. <laughs> so it, it is really a wide spectrum of things that can be termed gravel here in Malaysia. Uh, but I think that's the beauty of it, where you really get this one bike that can just ride on everything. And of course, in any gravel loop here, it's unavoidable to also cycle on the tarmac itself. So that's yeah. where I no, feel the gravel bike really comes to life. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, we, that's definitely for myself, it's the same case. If you cannot, you have to ride on some tarmac. It's, it's impossible to avoid. That's okay, though. Yeah. Um, that's but you, you mentioned earlier, and I think that's that's one of the bases for, for yourself. It's like your what you do on a day-to-day basis, and that's being a director, right? Can, can you talk to me about how, how do you get into that? Because just it's not 
I, I would say, I mean, there's not too many people that, that are directors per se, right? How do you get into that from, from, from your youth and, and where you are right now? Can you talk to me about that journey? I mean, I may not look it, but I'm 37 years old, so I am quite old. <laughs> I've been in the industry for some time. I mean, I started when, when I started, it's really traditional. There was no vertical content. There were no smartphones. So uh, to want to make video, you have to go through a traditional channel. I took up broadcasting as uh, my degree because I really couldn't do anything else like the conventional education system, science subjects. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So I thought, okay, by taking broadcasting, you probably require the least memorizing and reading where I could perhaps work in, say, a radio station or something where I, mm -hmm. you know, work with audio. But during the first assignment where we get to try out a video camera, I immediately understand that, wow, this is something that I really love to do. Because for more than just audio, you get to manipulate visuals and audio at the same time. The first time I touched an editing machine, I think I spent like three days straight. You know? And the first video assignment in college that I did was very fortunate. I won uh, quite a 40,000 ringgit yeah, to convert yeah, and bear with conversions. But in no way, sorry, I just need to ask you a question. There. When you said three days editing and with a machine, was that analog physically editing video or was it? Yeah. It was mini DV, so however long you record it, oh. you have to transcode it so that you have to wait yeah. for the exact amount of time to be digitized. So it, it is still CRT yeah, 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 yeah. where you have to be careful on the edge because the images are not shown, you know. So it was during that era that I started editing, making videos in college and I immediately fell in love with it. So it, it is a natural goal then for me to want to work in the industry. But it's not like I came out from school and I just became a director. I went through, uh, you know, like my first job, my only duty was just to pick up cigarette butts on the floor in the studio. That's my only job. <laughs> <laughs> so it started from there. I tried many things, transport coordinator, where I'm just basically with a walkie-talkie, trans, you know, coordinating transport, art department, where I'm just a prop guy, you know, doing props for the art director. It started with many roles uh, that was explored. But I ended up uh, getting hired by this commercial company, which is a company that I'm in now, uh, Reservoir. And they hired me as a line producer. So I started by managing things and managing schedule, which I'm totally terrible at. That's when I realized, okay, I need to put out some sort of work for them to give me a platform, give me a way out of this managing thing and into the creative path. So I shot a lot of electrical appliances in the office and I edited into this uh, quite a bitsy reel. I think you can check it out on my Instagram. I posted it and somehow that was natural to me that I could sync things to the beats. Maybe because due to the musical education that I had before or just that pure interest in you know syncing songs. But that reel itself uh, convinced my employers at the time to assign me as an editor for other directors. So now I'm editing for other commercial directors. I get to see how they work, what are their style, what are the important things that you need to take care of as a director. And as their relationship got closer, uh, I was then made an assistant director to these directors. And as an assistant director, that's when you get to go on set and you need to coordinate with everybody. You are like timing the shot itself. You need to coordinate the talent. So you're talking to the talent's coordinator, talking to art department, talking to the director of photography, the cameraman, the producer. That's how I know 
most of the crew. That's when I wrote my first short film script and then I begged everyone to help me shoot <laughs> this script and we oh, made cool. that short film. Yeah, and it is with this short film and that crazy reel that I did in the office, these two combined landed me my first gig as a commercial director because of the range. One emotional storytelling, one edgy, like a real, you know, very pitsy edit. And that, yeah, that's the beginning of how I became a commercial director. <laughs> so many that years so back cool. now. <laughs> that's fantastic. This builds up on another story. I mean, I, I work with the... Um, uh, design and I, I manage other designers and um, I work with other people so and all, not not I'm not a director but I'm I'm managing people and stuff like that so and, and a director it's a similar approach right you need to direct other people as well not only the content that's been created and and the video that's being produced but the, the people and now you have sort of racing through the ranks experiencing all these different roles so how would you say how are you as a director working with people are you are you very strict are you very sort of yeah tell me how, how do you reason about that uh i would like to think <laughs> that uh, especially as a commercial director half of the game is making the best video possible the other half is really just managing people making your mm. clients comfortable making them trust you and also to get the crew to do the best. To me, it's a lot about getting the crew to perform at their best. When I Because uh, at the get-go, I was working with a lot of people that are a lot more experienced than me. I think if you've seen the previous post, uh, my director of photography, Eric Yong, who's like 10 years senior than me. So mm. it's really not about me teaching him how to film or how to light. It's really <laughs> about how can I convey this idea to him so that he can bring out the best, bring out the best visuals, you know. Uh, listen to his input and let's discuss how to do this the best way and this is just one of the relationship if i do this also with my art director also with my wardrobe stylist also with the scriptwriter, uh, and everything collectively then becomes a direction which is uh, my main role i would say which is uh, basically overseeing the whole creative process and where do we set uh, the taste how do we edit this thing the flow of the video it is a very abstract thing to explain and you do the best way to learn making videos is to just make videos. You make videos, you keep making them and you judge it, you get feedback from people and you kind of evolve from that. Yeah. So I was very blessed to be able to work with these uh, experienced crews, but style of directing, I would say I focus a lot on say, how can I get the best out of each of uh, these head of departments and the rest of the crew to make uh, the best work possible. <laughs> and just i uh, i i have such a um i i have very limited knowledge within this area so tell me what is what is the timeline for one of your projects so sort of from i guess you do a lot of sort of pre-preparation and then you do the the, the shooting it's just a small piece that's my assumption and then you have all the the, the post work with the editing and so forth what what is sort of end to end how, how much time are we speaking about from a project of yours uh, I would say, yes, the planning is always the longest uh, for commercial as well, as well as the reels that I made, is always the pre-planning, getting the items together, deciding what to shoot, that is the one that takes the most time. And yeah, the whole process can come up to a month or two. And shooting in commercial is always 
very little because once you go into shoot day, that's when the money goes out, that's where the expense is. So it's always about shortening the shoot days to as little as you can. Whereas as a creator, then you have the liberty to say, okay, I'll just shoot today. If I'm tired, I go to sleep. And that those are the things that I enjoy, is it? I have creative freedom, I'm working by myself. In contrast to say always working with 40 people, always trying to realize the client's vision. But uh, I do have, I do try my best to shoot as little days as possible, even as creator, because it does mess up the entire house. So <laughs> I tend to, I try to shorten it and then editing will take a week or two. And, I, and that's the same for both commercials and the reels. Yeah. And in, let's, let's take it then to, to the content that you create for, for us that we consume on your social channels, right? In comparison, then if, if that takes that that amount of time how much time do you put into um your your reels by now that you create because you've had a couple of few like a handful really solid huge amount of views millions of them um how much time do you spend doing one of those i think uh, the at the start of this uh, creation journey i think you face the same thing you try to find some tutorials online on YouTube and this, the C word always comes up, consistency. You need to upload every day, right? So I started, and I know my weakness is consistency because I can do big projects, but maybe I do one and then I have to rest for half a year, which is not going to go empty. <laughs> so that's when, I, okay, I need to focus on making more. So make them into more bite-sized stuff. And that would be the beginning of this uh, content creation thing. I just really want to make shorter stuff and get the consistency up. But as the, as time went past, I realized that uh, it is actually just that few reels that you say that are super viral, that are driving in most of the growth. It's really 20, 80 rules at display. I can see it clearly. And that kind of points back to, hey, actually quality is more important than quantity. Yes, it's important to have certain amount of quantity to make sure the algorithm knows that you're an active creator. But in terms of growth, it's still a lot better to focus on quality. And that became an obsession. So after that bikepacking one, the musical one, then it became an obsession. They're like, okay, I'm just going to spend as long as I need to make this banger reel. Paint the room, <laughs> do the prop, to do this editing setup. However long it takes, that took five days. Then, okay, I'm going to make this... Uh, Oppenheimer coffee thing. It's okay. Just let it take as long as it took. It took five days or so. The bike big one took two weeks. I'm like, okay. Because yeah. the first shot okay. itself, that's when I discovered that, oh, there are interesting things that we can be done to the screws. That was never the plan. But the one time that you see the screw go in, it's not like, okay, now I have to do every shot needs this. And then yeah. from five days, it came to me. Now that I've seen it, every shot needs this. Oh, no. <laughs> So and those, 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 as I understood it, as I understood it in your tutorials afterwards, they are stop motion, right? All those, uh, the screw effects screwing in itself. Yeah, yeah. Most of them are yeah. stop motion, except for the yeah. ones that, that moves really fast. Those are just masking. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I, I just need to tell you my approach. <laughs> I would love, I, I would love to have your approach to to really focus on on only quality and do it so um, immensely good as you do. I have a different approach, which is not maybe the best approach, but it's my approach, and I I, I do more sort of a I'm I'm lucky, you know, when you when you hit the, the I'm lucky button on search in Google, basically, 
<laughs> out of all the million stuff, you hope that you're lucky with one one piece of content that goes viral. So I mm. produce kind of a lot, uh, mm. post almost every day, and then I'll just see what sticks. And uh, so I put actually less and less effort, despite everything that I do into my, my Instagram content, uh, which is, I, I don't know, I've been trying to, to do all this, spending a lot of time on it, but I, I'm not good uh, enough, probably, to, to make it interesting enough yet. Mm. So I think we, we have different approaches, but I think it's okay to have whatever approach. But oh, yeah, I wanted yeah, to I wanted to start, ask you another question um, on top of what you, what you you were just talking about. And it's not only shooting the specific content itself, right? The bikepacking one, nor the... Um, um the the coffee oppenheimer coffee the the latest um uh, bike assembly and so forth you also come up with all these sort of tutorials around it where you shoot yourself shooting the video how are you even possible to think about all those angles while you're focusing on the project itself that's that's completely mind-blowing for me that, that took some time to adapt, and it is because uh, during my early brainstorm with a good friend, Jimmy Boyd, he's a creator for the past... When I took the traditional path, he took the creator YouTuber path, right? So he has immense experience, and his advice to me was, you have to make tutorials, dude. Uh, and I understood it as I have to not just make contents for myself, but also contents that my audience can benefit from. So uh, I attempted to make tutorials since the beginning of the year. It wasn't just from the beginning I could record myself. <laughs> it took a lot of uh, practice to understand that, okay, just be a little bit mindful and roll the camera, the 360 camera before I do anything. The good thing about the 360 camera is that you can reframe it. So as long as the camera's in the room, everything that you do is captured. And it rolls awesome. for 30 oh, so that, minutes. That's one of the, that's one of the yes. secrets. <laughs> yes, do that, do that. <laughs> because with the 360 you can reframe, you can make the camera move wherever you go within that confined space. So it is just something that you have to remember to do, to just roll the camera and just leave it for half an hour. It does get cut as you do have to roll it again. And so it is something that uh, I, is practice and you just have to remind yourself, but it became something that, yeah, it's possible. You can do it too. Just need to roll the 360 camera inside. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Now that's that's a great great idea. That's super super smart. Um, let's let's talk about your creative creativity in general, like your ideation process and so forth. Like how how do you come up with these ideas? You've had these couple few bangers, the the big ones. Um, and how did how did they start? And and. Maybe also talk to me, are there ideas that you have sort of you've started, but you never followed through because they never you were never able to realize them or that there were some some problems or you failures within quotes? Um, yeah. I mean, that was a lot of questions. We can start with uh, what does your ideation process look like? <laughs> I think it is one big arc, which is good. So the ideation process, in all honesty, it's the segment that I'm most interested in. Hence, I became, you know, a director, a creator. But it is very hard to explain this because it's very abstract. It's very non-verbal. I do have a piece of paper. It happens as you would expect. I take out a piece of paper and a pencil and I stay in a room quiet at night. And I just <laughs> let the idea come, so to speak. Surrender myself and see what comes. Any connections that's made, 
I note it down and I try to develop from there. So this isn't like an actual piece of paper with some ideas. You can see it. Wow. Uh, so I just note down and I try to develop from there. There's a few that, uh, that is noteworthy. Interstellar sharpener. This is Oppenheimer coffee at birth. It was an interstellar idea that I thought, okay, it'd be really cool if you can shoot a pencil, going into a sharpener, light interstellar, light interstellar. But it was as I dragged on the research oh. phase, it was too close to Oppenheimer. And I can't make the old movie while he's releasing the new movie. I need to convert this into an Oppenheimer idea. I love the movie. I love the practical effects. But a sharpener just wouldn't be enough for an Oppenheimer idea. That got then connected to coffee. And that's how you get in uh, Oppenheimer coffee. There are certain ideas that uh, you develop it, but it just doesn't feel like it's full. And sometimes it's a matter of time before they can morph into something full. Sometimes they just get, you know, get get uh, get thrown, but that's okay. I like to mm -hmm. think of it like that. The ideas are not mine. I'm there like a fisherman, right? Trying to catch this fish. Sometimes it's a small fish, sometimes it's a big fish, sometimes no fish at all. Uh, but it would be great if I can just keep working on my rod and my technique and perhaps get a net. And those are, I think, uh, can be explained as an editing skill set, something that you learn, maybe uh, any, anything in video making, right? Uh, improving your color, improving your lighting, improving the way you talk to camera. So th that would be the chase that I can control and I work on those things. In terms of ideas, you just need to really show up spend the time to have that moment of peace and quiet and like okay have that empty paper and the pencil it might be daunting at first because there's no idea but as you do this every day you show up and ideas come and you start realizing these ideas take feedback from it how did this fail hmm, the audience prefer this much more than that it's like okay yeah now i totally understand that audiences really love magic tricks but <laughs> I also don't want to be just making magic tricks, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a balancing act of a lot of things. But if I have one advice is you have to show up and do it as much as you can. Everything takes practice. Just like cycling. You also need to put in the reps, put in the mileage, do the intervals, do the zone 2 to become a much better rider. You have to put in all these different zones to become a more complete rider. It's the same as creativity. Yeah. <laughs> This is what I, I love that I advice. That is, that is so amazing. Just show up. I love that. Because I was gonna, I was almost going to ask you about sort of how, how have you evolved your ideation process and stuff like that. And it just, you just put it in such a sim, sim, simple and simplistic and understandable way. And I think it's... Um, um, and that, that is important. That, this brings me into another topic that I wanted to talk to you about because I think I saw this on one of your stories, or I know that I saw it on your stories because I actually made a copy, made a screenshot out of it. And there was someone that asked you about uh, inspiring or motiva motivational books. Mm -hmm. I, I have it right here. Um, and there, there, are some, there are some really nice ones. Uh, the Creative Act of Rick Rubin. I love Rick Rubin. I actually made a, a, a reel with, with his voice just the other week. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have uh, Ryan Holiday, Obstacles is the Enemy, Ego is the Enemy. I have those two same books myself as well. The Art of War, I have the same one as well myself. So I can relate very much to what you're reading and your inspiration. But And and some of, some of your responses as well to people when you ask them, ask me anything, is sometimes with a quote from a book or a page from a book, 
talk to me about this, like your 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 drive to 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 learn from others, maybe, and and to to how how does that relate to you, and and how how do you feel about that sort of process of yours? This uh, this book thing actually started in a very weird way. I was a chain smoker, right? Being uh, before I started writing, right? I was a chain smoker, and as a director, you're sitting at a monitor. One day it's like two packs. It's really unhealthy. And somehow or another, some strange event, I managed to quit smoking by reading a book. It was Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Smoking. In some weird circumstances, I translated this bad habit into reading books. So for the first few months, whenever I feel the urge of to smoke, I pick up a book and I read. And that led to this, uh, I would say hobby because I enjoy doing it. Like and, and I became kind of like a self-help junkie, right? <laughs> Most of the things I read is all you know, self-help books, things that uh, rather than fiction stuff. Uh, but why I actually reply those uh, questions with books, this is actually kind of an imposter syndrome because honestly, I'm not a self-help guru and a lot of people ask me about these things. And I felt that, okay, uh, I this question, I asked this before and somehow I managed to get this answer. Oh yes, from that book, from that paragraph. If I, was just, if I could just find this paragraph and post it, that might help someone. From the guru, not from me. <laughs> so that's how I ended up doing, doing that. Whenever someone asked me a question which I felt, hey, I asked this before and I might have read it somewhere that helped me, helped me understand it better. Help me have a better grasp and uh, this mindset. So that's what I try to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. And now I need to make a comparison to myself. Sorry for, for speaking about myself, but that's actually one of the ideas with this show. It's because Love I had it. so many people reach out to me, ask me, Marcus, how do you feel about tire pressure this? Or how do you feel about this bike that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a novice. I have no idea. I'm, I'm riding my bike and I'm enjoying it and having fun. I'm not an expert. So then I was like, how, what should I do in order sort of to be able to help these people? I'll start a podcast and a video cast and talk to the people that actually know something about what they're talking about. And, and so you are one of them. You are one of the sort of expert content creators. That, that's why I, I don't know if you realized I, 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 in our title for this recording, I called it Master Director. <laughs> uh, I mean, I and, wouldn't put myself up there. I'm still only very new into the content game. There's still a lot yeah. more to learn, but thank you. <laughs> no, I, I like your humble approach, but it's, uh, you, you need the, the feedback is immense and, and your growth has been, has been crazy. And that brings me to my next question, like a million followers on Instagram now, you're a huge influencer. How, how, how do you feel about that? And, and have you changed? It, it, it feels surreal. Like if I'm honest, uh, of course it, it is advisable not to have a number go, right? You, you hear people say they don't have a number go, but I do have in my heart at the beginning of the year, I would like to get to 50,000. I had 22,000 at the time, so 50 would mean I doubled it within the first year, which would have been, I would have been really happy with it. So to get to a million, it does feel outsized. And with an outsized return, there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, uh, in many ways, I feel that this opportunity is something that a lot of people want to have, right? A lot of people would love yep. to create something 
put it out to the world and get this enormous return and have this following to find this large audience. And now that I am blessed with it, I got lucky and I'm blessed with it, I do need to have more responsibility with my content. You know, what I put out to the world, I need to give it a lot more thought because if I can, uh, the content that I make, it has to make the world a better place, so to speak. That's because it, as, especially on the internet, especially on short particular content, there's so many things that get attention and many of those things, when you look at it, it it's sometimes not healthy. That's why they call it doom scrolling. You're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling yeah. and you don't know what you watch. And sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's not really beneficial. Uh, it, and since I have this uh, following and people do watch my content, I'll try, I would like to try to make it as beneficial as I can. So yeah, it does feel, yeah. And, how, and the change, uh, in many ways, is big changes. In many ways, it didn't change much. The big changes, I would say, it's, it did give me a platform to have creative freedom. This uh, is an isolated case, speaking in terms of a person that has done commercial for more than 10 years, always working for a client's script, always working behind a concept, behind a product, to finally have a platform to share content with the audiences that is direct feedback. You know, I can... Uh, look at the comment, it's talking directly to me. Someone drops me a DM, so it's a direct feedback to me. And that, to me, I'm really grateful for that. And uh, to have finally found an audience for me to share this uh, crazy edits, uh, <laughs> things that uh, things that sometimes I feel, I myself feel uncomfortable to put to the world because I've never seen anything like this before. This is a bit too crazy. I don't know how the audience can perceive it. I do have uh, doubts like that. But, well, it's Instagram, it's YouTube, it's not with a client, so put it out there, it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> it doesn't matter. So that's really liberating and that has changed. I mean, uh, the other real-world change that I face that, is, uh, that I find really interesting is that typically when you pitch for a commercial job, the client will require three different production houses, three different directors to write in a pitch, right? Uh, and you get you you must submit your idea, and it, it's common practice that you know only one is awarded, the other two is not awarded. So it is a very competitive space. It is a very gatekeeping space. You know nobody wants to tell anyone else their secret. You know I have a specific way to make this food real, and I'm not going to tell my competitor. I steal your idea and I make it, and I won't credit you. You know, but in the creator space, I really love how everybody is just so well knit together and this is a worldwide audience you know when somebody's inspired by you they tag you they, they, sh they share with the world where the inspiration comes from that then allow me to share their world to you know their world to more people and in terms of say uh, the genre itself even though we are all making short video content everybody somehow has their own personal story and personal style and that to me is really interesting and that it's magical to me, the content creation space. I really love that factor of things, that side of things. I, I really love it. Yeah. How everyone is well. I, I, yeah. I love to see those when you repost stories or other reels when they've tagged you and they sort of, they even write inspired by, by Quack. So I, I, I find that awesome. I mean, you're, and that's, that's the thing. You're really, I mean, the true meaning of influence or you're influencing, but the content creation side of things. But, and how does that make you feel? Are you, are you 
proud? Does it? I mean, how how does that constitute in yourself? Like that feeling when you see that you make a difference. This is a deep question, mate. <laughs> and truth be told, uh, juggling between commercials and content creation this year has been very packed. And I do have another half of month until the end of the year, and it will be great for me to reflect on this question a little deeper. <laughs> but as of now, everything is still. It happened pretty fast, and I have not had the time to sit down and process this fully. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm if I'm honest, I still don't really know entirely how I feel about this. <laughs> I understand, and I, I respect that. Um, I respect that fully. Um, so, I guess I mean, do you have any? Do you have any plans for 2024 already? Is there anything that you can talk to, to, to us about? Is Do you have any, and maybe what's, is there anything on your bucket list that you would like to know, do that you haven't done? Any techniques yeah. that you want to learn? Any? I mean, on, on 2024, I think the main thing is I need to work a little bit on the operational side uh, because I, I am very, specific <laughs> i do creative work so uh but of course being a being a creator being an influencer you do need more than just creativity so i'm trying to build a team that can handle the management side of things the inbox messages side of things the dealing with clients agreeing on a cost making sure that the, the schedule fits uh, the operational side of things is something that i need to put a lot more effort in in order for me to kind of uh, make this a long-term plan, because last thing you, 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 besides the commercial, so besides the commercial directing, you, you're building sort of now your own sort of side business with with the um, with the content creation side of things as well. Yep, but at the same time, cool. uh, this is a unique case because I am a commercial director. The branded content has a clash of interests, right? <laughs> because okay, it's like I'm doing the same thing, but charging at two extremely different price points and so that is an issue which i that is a bigger issue that I have to deal with but my goal for 2024 is i would like to bring everything into one i would like oh. you to be the same, the same person that's uh that understands my commercial schedule is also managing my content creation side because i feel that would be the best way so eventually moving this home studio under the same roof as my production company which might take a few years but that's uh, in the pipeline yeah that's super cool and uh, that's super super cool so any what's i mean you are inspiring and you're doing all these tutorials but are there any other sort of recommendations that you can that you can give to people out there that also wants to up their game when it comes to content creation and and also maybe aspire within what you do is there any recommendations ideas that you can give them uh i would say sometimes it's very weird because when we uh want to promote creativity sometimes you have to purposely do things that are opposite of what they're used to say like just for a few examples, uh, usually we put the visuals first, then we find a music that matches the visual. Sometimes switch it around. I do this all the time. I pick a music first. I listen to the music. I imagine what scenes can be matched to the music. And I try to form the visual according to the music. So it becomes 
Because the music is already structured. It already has a nice flow. It has a nice opening, middle, and an end. So if you can attach the visuals to it, you get a nice flow. And music is also the main driver for short content. That's why you know there's trending audio. Everybody jumps onto the same audio because it does give a very recognizable emotion. Everybody understands, oh, okay, this is in trend. You, you can relate to the feeling. So if you can work it the other way around to the opposite, find, think of visuals to match a certain song that might promote creativity. Also, I have noted here, maybe start editing not linear from beginning to the end. Maybe work on the most important part first, the climax. Just edit the climax so that you know where the most important part of the reel or the video, this lands nicely, right? This hits the spot. Then design the intro that leads up to this climax and then give the tail end so that you start editing in the middle first. And yeah, I mean, my last advice is the most important but most boring advice. Need to practice, put in the reps, put in the time, <laughs> do the mileage, you know, until you bonk, <laughs> then rest a few days, let your muscle recover, <laughs> then do it again, and then do it again, and then eventually you get better. So yeah, keep practicing. Man. <laughs> That's awesome. Have, have you done any content creation bonking? Uh, similar, like mistakes or failures that you want to speak about that you forgot to turn on the camera or oh yeah many many times many times there <laughs> but it is part of the the process uh, and you do get uh better as you go and moving from say the commercial side of things to the creator side of things it also really humbles me down a lot because as a director you are in a how do you say uh in a position where it's easy to blame people, right? If something went wrong, it's always somebody else's fault, right? <laughs> this oh, guy yeah. made something wrong, this guy made something wrong, this guy did something wrong. But when you are a creator alone, a solo creator, everything is under your own responsibility. If something goes wrong, the battery is not charged, the, the lens is not right, you know, certain things, everything is under your responsibility. So by doing, uh, by operating as a creator for a while, that, that really, gives me this awareness and I really appreciate it. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Okay, yes, everything is under my control, which means I have to take care of everything. So now that when I'm on set, it automatically, I automatically kind of uh, care for each of the crew a little bit more. And that to me is uh, something positive that I, I really like. I really like, yeah. <laughs> That's super good. So Quack, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been amazing. I've learned so much. This has been truly inspirational as well to talk to you. I'm I'm super excited for your for your content creation journey moving forward. And I'm really looking forward to to being really inspired by you. I I, I really wish that I had the time to do some of the stuff that you do. But I would like to, to test to do some stop motion as well. That's that's definitely on my bucket list. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for having me, Marcus. It was a great conversation. And I'm sure you know, by keep, uh, uh, keep creating content, you eventually find a formula that land that is hopefully outsized. And then if you double down on it, that might make it fly. Hopefully, <laughs> that might make it fly. So I wish you, wish you all the best as well. Yeah. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. you too. Bye. Holy moly. What a guy such an inspiration and it's so incredible that he draws inspiration from so many different other sources sources as well so and and with all those insights 
ideas that he gave you now. I hope that you can also enjoy and learn and practice and get out there to create even more content. If you like this kind of content, be sure to hit follow and hit the like button if you like it so that you will see more of this from me, myself and I. Take care and enjoy Christmas, guys. Bye.